Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Welcome to another exciting edition of Corbin versus the World. I am your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, here to bring you the greatest tunes of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I am joined today on this episode in the studio by the lovely and fantastic Kayla Marquis. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here. Kayla Thank is you. a fantastic singer-songwriter that works in the Denver area. She has lived in Denver her entire life and she puts on fantastic music kind of r&b type but you don't like to really classify yourself by uh by genre do you i don't i i honestly really hate that <laughs> i it's apparently necessary especially for spotify and things to have a genre for the silly silly marketing things yeah, and for the business exactly stuff. what box can you put yourself in so that we can so that we can better sell you to the masses i think right now a good fit for me is Alternative pop, um, alternative R&B, soul. It's really, really good stuff. So, yeah, and we are going to be listening. uh, Not only are we going to be listening to some of Kayla's tracks today, but we are going to be talking about the life and career of Kayla up to this point. And she has been so gracious to share a new song that will be on her upcoming album. Never heard before. Never, ever heard before. (laughs) Aren't you fortunate listeners back home? But before we get into all that fun stuff, let's spend a little bit of time getting to know you, Kayla. You've been doing music pretty much uh, your entire professional career. Uh, what brought you originally to, uh, what was your first inspiration as to become a musician? That's, yeah, that's a really interesting question for me. I think I always kind of struggle where the beginnings were for me because I grew up around music. Um, my dad played saxophone. My uncles played music. My uncle Larry Dunn was um, in Earth, Wind & Fire, was the musical director of that for, you know, a long time. He joined the band when he was 17. Um, and so I've just always kind of been around it. Um, but I grew up being an athlete. Like art and music was something for me to play with and have fun. It was my it was my playtime, mm-hmm. you know, playing on the drum kit that my parents randomly got me for Christmas and the karaoke machine. I didn't start doing it, like, seriously, actually, until I started going to school here in Fort Collins and CSU. And one day I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like I hate school. What am I, what am I doing here? And yeah. I remember I ended up doing this toy drive here at CSU and it was a like toy drive talent show. And I ended up just singing acapella. Do you remember that? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I have my friend, one of my best buds here today, we met at CSU, but I did this thing and I sang some acapella song just randomly because it was like, I was dying. Mm-hmm. I needed you something just wanted to do. To, yeah. wanted to sing it out. What was the song? I want to say it was Just Like a Star. Yeah, Just Like a Star by Corinne Bailey Ray. Oh, great. Um, And then after that, it, it just kind of, something just like clicked for me and I was like, yeah, I don't want to be here. I'm going to, 
withdrawal from the university. Mm-hmm. And I left and um, my family was very upset with me. <laughs> they were like, what are you doing? You're, you've never written a song in your life. And um, I just started, I grew up with a baby grand piano in my house. So I went back home to Denver and I just started writing songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think was the the pivotal moment for me. And I've been playing ever since. Um, and that was 2007 or 2008. That's really great. I think that's a really inspirational thing to hear for people because I, I think that the college industry is so pervasive that mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you have to get a degree no matter what you're yeah. trying to become. And, yeah. you know, you, you came to the conclusion, like, I want to be a musician. I don't need to do this anymore. And I think that that's really cool. I think I've always felt pretty insecure about that decision, honestly, because it just seems so cliche to me. Like, you know, my family wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer and I dropped out of school to become a musician. So I was, I've always been kind of weird about that story because I was like, oh, this isn't anything new. People do this all the time, right? Sure. Um, But I, I don't regret it. Yeah. And I, I, that's the most important thing. I think, you know, as long as you make the strong decision and, and follow it through, I, I think that that's the most important thing. Thank you God know, I degree. was, yeah, I was like this reckless kid at yeah. the time, you know, like 18 <laughs> years old. I wouldn't probably have made that decision now because, you know, you get older and you get stuck in your ways and patterns. So I, I'm very thankful for 18 year old Kayla, who was kind of like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm yeah. going to do Hell yeah. what Fre- I think. So makes freshman me year, you were like, I'm bailing. I'm out. Nice. That that was the time to do it, yep. I think, before the, before the college conditioning sets <laughs> yeah. in. And I just finished paying those loans. Hey. Just now. Mazel tov. Very good. <laughs> right? Awesome. This is a celebratory time yes. then for you. Yeah, it is. That's great getting out from under the weight of it. Uh, so you came from a background in music. Your family has a background in music. Were your uh, musical tastes, your your kind of artistic voice shaped by your family's musical tastes oh, growing up? Definitely. You know, I grew up with my dad playing a lot of jazz and my mom playing a lot of gospel. And then my sister, Summer, who was probably like my biggest influence. She's eight years older than me. And so I just thought she was the coolest person in the world. You know, I used to follow her around the house and she's a musician herself. She actually went to CSU and she has a degree in music education and dance. And she was in marching band and she's just this very talented person. And so I always looked up to her, but she had a very eclectic taste. So I got a lot of that from her just tagging along with her and listening to what she was listening to, you know, like she listened to a lot of hip hop, a lot of nineties mm-hmm. hip hop and R and B, but then she also was a classically trained musician. So I grew up listening to a lot of uh, classical music, which is probably my favorite. Nice. So you've kind of, you've got a lot of angles covered and you can hear that in your music too. Just the way that, the way that you, you know, your genre agnostic, the way that, you know, mm. the way that your sound can't really fit into any any neat box. It's all those influences that have right. gone into it. And that's why I don't like picking a genre because it for me, it's just like this this melding pot of it's a fusion of everything that I love from hip hop to folk to classical to Spanish guitar. You know, it's like all these random things that just come out in my music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After you made the decision to to quit school and pursue music, what were the next steps after that? You know, obviously after, you know, explaining to the parents and all that fun stuff, all that baggage. Well, next came depression. (laughs) As always. Yeah. Well, you got the, 
depression always comes after college. So you actually got that. <laughs> you got, got that done early. Way. <laughs> yeah, you did that early. Yeah, I was uh, depressed for like eight months. And again, my sister being a big part in this, she uh, was still in Denver at the time before she moved to L.A. And I literally was like laying on the couch watching every episode of that 70s show yeah. for months. And like, <laughs> just what am I doing with my life? And one day she was, she was like, dude, what, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And she's, she goes, watch this. And she hands me this DVD called Once. Oh <laughs> my God. And I love that movie. For people that don't know what it is, it's like a modern day musical. Mm -hmm. And I laid on the couch that night and I watched it. And as soon as it was over, I wrote my first song. That's fantastic. That was actually <laughs> going to be my my next question is when and when and how did you come about writing your first song and the fact that it came out of watching the movie once. Yeah. That's that's amazing. It's a beautiful movie. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's I was actually just listening to uh, I didn't listen to Falling Slowly mm. in a few years and I had to open up the nostalgia box yep. and, and listen to all those. I also like the the uh, sad song he sings about being a vacuum salesman I on know. the on the bus, the Hoover, the Hoover sucker. sucker guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I think that was very influential to me. Like just the writing and the rawness of like Glenn Hansard. I don't know how to say his name. Like his voice. Mm -hmm. That was a big inspiration for me to be like, oh, I can like kind of be a mess and be and that's okay yeah it's so freeing as an artist to see it because it strips the glamour away from the life of the musician the life of the artist like these are struggling human beings yep. but but the music is the beauty that keeps them going yep. and that's that's really amazing you said it <laughs> you nailed it yeah so you did you did the couch surfing thing. And after, you know, after you had that eureka moment, uh, what were the next steps? I, I read uh, that before you were doing your solo career, you were in a band yeah. for a little while. So after I wrote for a while, um, just like in my house, because I didn't really play instruments. Um, so I spent a lot of time, like hours just sitting at that piano and figuring shit out. And then I started just going out to little shitty bars and playing where they would have me. And my mom had to come with me because I was 19. You know, I wasn't old enough to even be in there. So I had to have a guardian and no one was listening to me. And I'm like playing on this shitty, like two or three octave <laughs> <laughs> keyboard. This is what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, There would always be like one person that was like, very touched by my lyrics or something. So I was like, okay, maybe I like have something here. It was really just, a good outlet for me to get out of my funk. Um, and it kind of turned into more. And then I didn't really enjoy playing by myself. Like, I think I always wanted to be in a band or at least have like a bigger sound. Have an ensemble behind you. Yeah. 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 Um, the music is like the fun part for me. Um, and so I was on Craigslist, you know, just putting out, looking for a band, had no idea what I was doing attracting all kinds of crazy ass people like oh yeah oh my god the craigslist dance yo what was the craziest um <laughs> i met with this guy in some park in like arvada who brought like a tambourine and he completely yeah what he like <laughs> <laughs> completely took like control of this i wasn't even auditioning him it was like he was auditioning me. he was yelling at me oh god First of all, tambourine is a lot harder than it looks. Mm -hmm. And I'd never played tambourine in my life. And he brought his guitar and wanted to sing some like 
Christian song. It was just like all over the place. And he was literally screaming at me. And I was like, all right, Terrifying. I'm going to like, I got to go. <laughs> I got to rethink this whole Craigslist thing. <laughs> but then I just kind of like pieced together through some people I, I knew and ended up with, you know, some very beginner musicians or like some people who always wanted to be in a band, but never had. And so we kind of put this like motley crew together and it evolved. And then one of my best friends, Olivia Rudine, who is now a songwriter out in Nashville, but she came back home. She was at school. She dropped out of school also. Mm -hmm. She was at Puget Sound. Okay. Is that right? Um, and so up in, up in Washington. Yep. Yep. We got back together, um, and started, well, I had already started the band, but she joined it and that made it so much better. And so it was called Straight Nerdy Like a Cool Kid. Nice. And it was uh, this like alternative pop rock shit. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're, you're late 2000s, yeah. early, early 11s. Yeah, type I was band. still in this like, you know, rebellious stage. And so that's just like what I was channeling at the time. Mm -hmm. and that kind of pop punky, rebellious, yep. all that fun stuff. Like, with all the like hooks. Paramore, no yep. doubt. Yeah. All the greatest um, hits. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have any hits, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then we um, ended up breaking up because she actually got signed with Sound Factory. Oh, cool. In Nashville, and she left, and I was super bummed. I didn't want to, like, replace her. Um, so I was just like, we're, we're done. Yeah. Don't want to replace you, so it's it's just on to something different on now. On to something new. Yeah. And um, I had kind of stopped connecting with that style of music, too. So it was, you know, I think it was right on time. Mm -hmm. And I stopped playing for a little bit, just like a couple months. And then my friend uh, who was on tour left his guitar at my house. And so I just picked up guitar and started teaching myself that. And started, Took the sign from the universe. Yep. Started writing different types of songs. And so that's when like the solo thing started and then kind of repeated that cycle of playing out by myself at little dive bars and then um got some of the old members back from straight nerdy and so we've been rocking ever since that's great yeah and so so the first instrument that you really taught yourself as it were was was the piano it was piano piano i took so my dad forced me to take lessons when i was five because <laughs> my parents bought this baby grand and you know, someone's got to yeah, play it, even though my sister was like a genius. They forced me to do it, too. And I hated it. I hated it. Every second of it, I hated it. Um, and so I I did lessons for a few months and I quit because I complained about it so much. I was <laughs> telling my parents, like, they're making me learn child music. And they were like, you are a kid. <laughs> this is it, now that now that you're now that you're a little bit older in the cosmic sense um now that you're older do you kind of look back and and you you feel like you learn you actually learned some stuff from those lessons or are you still like oh, yeah, yeah. I, didn't I retained that. everything that I learned in those lessons otherwise I'd be completely fucked right now I wouldn't know I still don't know what I'm doing but like <laughs> none of us really do that's <laughs> that's the secret at least I have that to like hold on to because a lot of the people that I play with are trained musicians i don't know music theory i barely even know like i can't even tell my band like oh this song is in this key or like sure this is the chord progression so i do have at least enough for me to use these uh instruments as my tool to write a song and then i'm just surrounded by 
brilliant people who can pick it up. Well, I, th- I think that your music serves as a testament that you really don't need to know those things because you you hear those layers and those melodies. And, you know, if if you had told me that you had been classically trained your entire life, I would have absolutely believed you just based on mm. your music as well. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, that I'll that, take it. That lack of training does not does not show through in the music. Well, it's good to know because I still feel I, I still have a lot of insecurities with that from time to time. Like, I'm not good. I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. Sure. The self-doubt. It's a, it's always a hard thing, yep. especially when, you know, when, when you're starting out and when you're kind of on the ground floor with things, it's, it's easy to second guess yourself. Oh yeah. But that's why, you know, it, it's good to have the people in the bar. Like when you were first starting out, you know, just the, even the one person in the bar, you know, watching you perform and that's, you know, that's enough to know, like I am doing something right. right. I am doing you know, something that speaks to people. Yep. The sound that you're currently in right now, what was the first song you kind of wrote in that vein? The first song I wrote is on my, like, debut solo album, Live and Die Like This. It's called Someday Soon. Um, so that was the first song I wrote under that Kayla Marquis solo thing and the first song I wrote on guitar. Cool. And the next was Body Talks Electric. So, and that's probably my favorite song. Absolutely. And that serves as a wonderful segue into (laughs) our first song of yours that we're going to be playing, which is Body Talks Electric. Let's get it. Yeah. Are you cozy creature? Are you comfortable? Would you share your casket? Can you rock my bones? Cause your kiss is laced with Oh, oh, mixed with a little bit of Oh my goodness, oh my
Sounds even better over those headphones. <laughs> Things always sound better in headphones. That's very true. This has been an advertisement paid for by the, what are these headphones? By the Stage Right Company. Yes, Stage Right Company. We love their headphones oh so much. <laughs> so welcome back to Corbin versus the World. You just got done hearing Body Talks Electric by Kayla Marquis. She is here in the studio telling us about her life and times. Lovely song, Kayla. And when we last left off we were talking about your journey through your musical career and uh just starting your solo career so uh after you know after the band broke down and you you know started writing songs for yourself what was the first gig that you played kind of under that you know under the Kayla Marquis just Kayla Marquis I opened for god I can't remember the name of this band I want to say they were like on tour from somewhere I opened for them at Summit Music Hall. Oh, yeah. Like in the moon room. Just me and my piano was super weird. Yeah. And very uncomfortable. And I was like, I don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> this is not I need to what get I other want. people behind me, yeah. stat. Yep. Yeah. So I was like, where's the band at? How long did it take between that first gig and, um, you know, you kind of getting the band together? Did it, was, were there more gigs after that fact or? Was it kind of like, okay, next there, time? There were more gigs after that, but it was like in a comfortable space. I had started um, working with a production company called the Black Actors Guild. Mm -hmm. um, and they really like helped me like develop my solo stuff because they had comedy shows and they were putting on plays and um, they were having me as like the musical guest. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, super yeah. cool. They're actually about to celebrate their 10-year um, anniversary. Um, so that's awesome. Where yes. do they, where do they put on their performances? So they do a show called show your teeth at, um, barfly barfly. They do, that is a sketch comedy, like improv. And then they'll have a stand up guest. Oh, and that's sometimes, awesome. yeah, sometimes a musical guest. So sometimes they still play it. Um, and they're having their 10 year anniversary gala, on December 20th at the Savoy. Cool. I think. And yeah. that's the Black Actors Guild? Yes, the Black Actors Guild. Very cool. Good, good people. Yeah. And that actually, that kind of segues a little bit into my next question. So I saw um, a couple of weeks ago, I went to go see panel discussion uh, that you were a part of about music videos oh, yeah. uh, with the with the Denver <laughs> Film Fest. And you, uh, you said something during the panel that I thought was really interesting. And I was wondering if you wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about that. You said that Denver used to have the reputation of being the Harlem of the West. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering if you could educate us a little bit about that. Gladly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that because I got the question of like, how is Denver's music scene growing? Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a Denverite, sometimes I have the bad habit maybe of reacting negatively to just the like influx of people that we've had come in here and like you know this the scene and the economy the community has really just grown a lot but 
I do like to remind people that there was a culture, an art culture specifically in Denver before now, you know, and I went to East High School, so I'll go a little deeper than I went. And, there, you know, people like Don Cheadle went there and like there's a whole wall up in East of people that have gone through there. And it's, you know, East is on Colfax. And so it's just like we have had these things and going even farther back to like Ella Fitzgerald and people. Um, this was a big hub for um, black jazz musicians. Black people were not allowed to play or stay in you know, the hotels and things downtown. And so they would play and stay at this venue in Five Points, which people are now calling Rhino, which stop that. So Five Points is like a historical neighborhood that, you know, was used to predominantly be people of color, lots of art and food and barbershops and things. And that's where a lot of music would come through. Mm-hmm. Um and art, you know, like graffiti and muraling. And so the, all of that stuff still exists, but there's, you know, been this gentrification that's happening where now everything is a yoga shop. And, you know, no shade. I like, I'm getting into yoga and that's, I think it's good for your health. But I think the the main thing is like coming into a community, I think you need to respect the people that have been there to cultivate that space. Um, You can't just come into a place and like, oh, this is a a new neighborhood for us. And we're just going to take over everything and buy everyone out that's been here, you know, like. Right. Come in with some some respect and some value for the things that have been there before you. And like we can work together. I think why a lot of Denver natives, I say in quotes, because no one is native to this land except natives. (laughs) we we get upset because it just feels like there's no love and there's no respect there for people that are are coming in like oh Denver's the new trendy place to live like it's so much more than that this is not this is not about weed and whatever i don't even know why everyone else is moving here right <laughs> well that that's kind of the that's the sense that i've gotten again you know i'm 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 a guilty transplant i don't live in denver currently but i'm planning on getting down there but i feel that that struggle uh with the people that have grown up here and i see it myself just going around denver especially having come from santa fe from a place that has a very established you know artistic and spiritual identity and i i feel walking around denver it's not so much that there isn't a culture there but i feel like it's been diluted yeah so much it's being washed out do you think that there is for lack of a better term do you think there's any hope for for denver kind of reclaiming that that place or or finding its its place artistically and if if so or just you know finding its own its own vibe for lack of a better word um, do you think that there's any any path for that right now, or is it just so inundated with transplants right now that that we can't see the forest for the trees? No, I think there is. I think there there is a path and there is hope for it. But I think it's up to you know people like me too, and other artists and artivists and um, people in the community to just be more open to sharing and educating people and. It's also up to the people that are moving here to be open to learning and, you know, experiencing what we call old Denver is just it's about respect, you know, coming into a neighborhood and renaming it. That's not cool. Yeah, no. (laughs) 
It's not like, I don't even... Reeks of colonialism. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And we're not here for that. There is a way for us to come together. But again, you've got to respect what already exists. And I think that that is being done. I think any with any like major shifts or change, we always kind of go to an extreme, maybe like negative place. Mm-hmm. Well, things are so so dramatically different than than they were even ten years ago. Yeah. From from what I understand. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. And as that applies as that applies to the music scene, you know, you you did your first, uh, you know, you started playing with the band in in what year? I think that was like 2009, 2010. 2009, 2010. So you've seen, you know, you've seen like the decade of growth since then. How would you, how would you say that the music scene or even the artistic scene by extension, uh, how has that kind of evolved from when you first started out to where it is now? Do you feel like there's certain genres of music that have gotten more exposure, certain you know, pursuits that, it, that have gotten less? You know? I do think people are becoming more aware of diversity and inclusion. So it's like before I was seeing like every festival and every bill was, you know, headlined by some white dude. And like there's, you know, that's fine. If you're good and you're, you know, you're about the music and you put in the work, you deserve to be there. But there is also a lot of other genres of music that is not just subgenres of rock. Right. You know, um, so I am seeing that there's more inclusion with just, you know, with um, showcases like UMS. I think they do a, a wonderful job of including local artists and national artists of just like different genres different backgrounds. Um, So I am seeing that more and that makes me happy that it's not just the same person playing the same lineup, you know, Mm -hmm. same headliner. Um, And it's like, hey, let's get some women up here. Let's get some people of color too. Let's get some world music. You know, there's flamenco, there's hip hop. I see a lot of diversity in Colorado, which I don't think people know about. Yeah, because it's just not publicized as well as as the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's why something like UMS, like, you know, I've talked about it on the show, God knows how many times, but I can't say enough nice things about UMS for for doing those things for the community, because I had no idea, you know, Denver had an amazing hip hop community. I had no idea that you know, there are amazing R&B artists here, like people that are putting out, you know, the stereotypical like EDM and jam right, rock that, right. you know, everybody knows in Denver. There's so much more to it than than that. Yeah. Shout out to Tobias and, and Lulu and Two Parts for putting on UMS. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, that can continue undiluted for, for you know, the, the foreseeable future. I think it will. I honestly see it. It's just getting better. It's like this past year at UMS really reminded me of old Denver. That's what uh, the consensus was from the people that I was talking to. Like everyone just seems so psyched. Everyone was like a kid on Christmas, you know, running around being like, I can't believe I'm, I get to see all this stuff and all of it's right here. Like these aren't, you know, there were some national acts, but it was like all this amazing music is right here. I don't have to go out of my way to go see it. You can just walk block to block and find new things you've never heard or see your like favorite locals. It's dope. What are some of those venues out there right now that are putting on the hip hop, putting on the R&B, the world music, you know, just for the people that are listening at home that might want to go and explore that more that were previously unaware of it? Where where would be some good places to check out? Oh, for sure. Ophelia's, Ophelia's Electric Soapbox. Yeah, probably um, one of my favorite venues. 
here, but they've got great talents coming in there, local and national, but some local favorites like Wes Watkins and the other Black and El Javi. And they have residencies where they play like a brunch every month. Globe Hall and Larimer Lounge. Uh, Tony Mason is bringing good acts through there um, that are just really different hip hop. And I know Cervantes does too. Um, but I don't go there that much. But I know they're putting on for the hip hop. Just before we go into the next song, are there any particular artists like Denver or Colorado based artists that you are just all about right now that you can't get enough of that you're really jamming on these last couple months? Um, so I'm a big fan of Caitlin Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out, Caitlin. I love you. She's she's amazing. Her voice is like butter. Her songwriting is perfection. And then, you know, Wes Watkins. And these are all have become friends of mine, but I feel like I've started as a fan mm-hmm. first. Khalil Sir Els is what he's better known as, uh, <laughs> who also was a co-producer on my first album. MTG, she's a Mexican-American, okay, don't hate me for saying this, Aztec princess is what Ooh, she goes cool. by. Yeah, so she raps like Spanish and English and she's a beast. Okay, bueno. There's so many artists. Like Denver does have a lot of talent that everybody check them out. Yeah. And well, one thing that I've noticed is really cool about the Denver scene is that, you know, there there's so much, but it really seems like a close knit community. Like once you, you know, once you start working within it, it seems like there's a lot of camaraderie within it, which is really there cool. Is. I think there's a lot of love and I think that artists do have quite a bit of respect for people. Also J Triple, she's dope. I think that's one of the cool things about Denver is that we do have this like more of like, let's collaborate and not compete. compete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with that being said, I do think thriving scenes like LA, for example, or New sure. York, those bigger cities do have a healthy competition. And I, you know, I grew up as an athlete, so I believe in healthy competition. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean hate or disrespect. I think if anything, I respect competitors. I have respect for competitors. Exactly. And and, And I think that that's a really good outlook to have on it. You know, having the ambition to strive, but not you know, being so Machiavellian that you're throwing people under the bus and, you know, shit talking and all that. Yeah, I mean, we're all trying to do the same thing, right? Which is just like, do what we love on the the base level. So um, I think there's a lot of support. I would like to see more supporters of, you know, people that aren't doing the art. Denver is is a little strange, in my opinion, about coming out to shows and buying tickets. It is. (laughs) We've... I now call it a last minute city because I don't know <laughs> when tickets tickets like oh they'll sell out the morning of right but like it's just like up until that time we're like no I think it's coming. just like I think people are so you know people are so busy and they're so wrapped up in their you know in their Denver lifestyles and their Colorado lifestyles that you know the day of the show they're like okay I'm free I can buy the ticket now yeah. or or something like that maybe you I know. don't know what it is but Denver get it together there's a lot of amazing art that you're missing out on yeah i know I, f- I feel that all the time whenever i go see shows i'm just like guys you can feel you can feel this music so much more than than you're feeling yeah. it right now because there have been some shows i saw like you know i saw your show at ophelia's and it was fantastic but then there have been other concerts i've seen where you know i i would almost mistake it for like a social gathering you know right. featuring music in the background right. 
Yeah. It's like this isn't like a networking, you know, hub. It's like you're here to to vibe out and enjoy people's art and exactly. you know, really feel the music. Yes. You know, you don't need to be so, you know, button up. Just chill out and listen and enjoy and like be a part of a community. Yeah, get it together, Denver. Get it together, get it together Denver. man. Show oh, up. I love that. Yeah, show up, be there, be heard. Listen. On that note, we are going to rock and roll into your next song on this show, which is Love Should Be. And when we come back, we get to talk about your wonderful, wonderful music video Ooh. for that song. Okay. So without any further ado, Love Should Be.
NOCO FM is a 24-7 internet radio station. A little different, isn't it? Always streaming at www.noco.fm. We play all types of music from all over the world. Rock, hip-hop, indie, electronic. Everything has a place at NOCO FM. Well, except for bluegrass. There are other places that you can hear that. Thank you for listening to NOCO FM. Welcome back to Corbin versus the world. You just got done hearing Love Should Be by Kayla Marquis, who is here in the studio with us. Lovely song yet again. Kayla, that's one of those ones you can just get lost in. Yeah. <laughs> just like, that's one of those ones on a long drive. I could probably just loop it and listen okay. to it indefinitely. All right. I'm into that. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny because I didn't I almost didn't put that on the on the album. Really? Yeah. What motivated the decision to make that the the music video track? I just, once I recorded it in the studio, I like immediately had some ideas and envisions for it. And I already had the person in mind that I wanted to make it with. So I just went with the feeling. Sure. So so tell us a little bit about the process of making that music video, which was, it was also, for those of you listening, it was selected by the Denver Film Fest. Uh, as an official selection for their music video screening uh, just past couple weeks ago, yes. which is awesome. It was awesome. I missed the screening. <laughs> oh, no. I know. My <laughs> my big screen debut, I was in New York. It's okay. You were technically there, though. Yeah. My boyfriend and my mom were there, so they showed up for me and like sent me videos, so... Nice. I was there in spirit. Very cool. So that wasn't, that's not the first music video that you've made. No, that was the second... Third. Third? Third music video. Cool. Because I saw the one, I cannot, I'm sorry, I cannot remember the song, but I, I remember you were in a car on a rooftop. Oh, that was Fold in Half. That's it. That's yep. Fold in Half, which yep. we'll be playing a little bit later in the in the show. Yep. So, whereas Love Should Be, that kind of took place in this kind of, where where was it filmed specifically? I kept trying to, kept trying to place the landscape. That was shot in the paint mines, which is like just outside of Colorado Springs little bit so it's like this random national park that I didn't even know existed I guess why they call it that or maybe I'm just making this up because (laughs) (laughs) of my experience there but touching the rocks actually leaves like it's like paint oh really yeah why and then when the like if the light hits them a certain way they're colored yeah yeah it's it's really majestic out there originally I wanted to shoot in the sand dunes but uh, we realized that we were probably going to die <laughs> if we tried to do that. Were yeah, not. no, we wouldn't have had the same experience for sure. It was just it wasn't safe. <laughs> so, what was the collaborative process like with uh, with making that music video? I know it's funny that you mention all the colors because it's such a colorful music video. It you know that's one of the things that really jumps out about it is the way that you use color and how it kind of characterizes each shot. Yeah. Um, so the album I'm working on, Brain Chemistry, is a dual album and it's uh, split between right brain and left brain. And Love Should Be is the right brain single. So like the whole aesthetic and idea of right brain is that it's this creative, vibrant and colorful side of me mm-hmm. or of anyone, really. I brought the song and a very basic idea to my director, Mara Whitehead, and she kind of, it just worked. It just aligned. She she liked um, my idea for it, and then she really brought it to life with using 
the paint mines actually, because I think in the sand dunes, I mean, it still would have been visually appealing, but sure. I think that added the whole, uh, like exactly what I was going for. And we actually changed the location the day before we shot. Oh, wow. So it was one of those happy accidents yep. almost. Yep. We were just like, we can't go to the sand dunes. It's like, it's not good for the cameras and we have to cross this river. And so she was like, I have another idea. And um, so we went with that. Very cool. How many people worked on that? Oh, this was a small, small team. Small team. Yeah. So it was Mara, the director, um, her boyfriend and business partner, Raleigh, who was doing the director of photography. Uh, we had one assistant, um, myself, and then my makeup artist. Oh, cool. Yeah. And how many costume changes did you have for Four. that music before? Yeah. So we're just like out in the like parking lot. <laughs> I tried to go to the bathroom, <laughs> which uh, was the scariest experience yeah those are always a little sketchy from time to time I mean I didn't think it was just literally going to be a giant hole <laughs> in an enclosed space it was disgusting going for that real hundred years back rustic oh, aesthetic my god <laughs> it was I literally my peak got scared and stayed inside <laughs> like I could not it was I could yeah I couldn't even fear kept it um so I changed like in the car just like right outside of the car and we were hoping that I wasn't going to get arrested or ticketed for <laughs> indecent exposure. So we probably won't get the behind the scenes video of that one nope. anytime soon. Nope. Not I'm super glamorous. I'm too exposed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not glamorous at all. We shot this, the whole thing in eight hours. Which, oh, cool. Which is a lot. It's like two and a half hours to drive there. And then, you know, a little bit of setup. We started right away with like uh, hair and makeup. And she had to get those looks down, you yeah. know, in 20 to 30 minutes. We just had to stay on schedule because we we're also going against nature. Yeah. Luckily, it was a beautiful day, like clear blue skies. But we also had to make sure that we had certain shots done by sunset. Mm -hmm. um, because, well, the fact that you got the filming done on schedule is just a miracle oh in God. and of itself. It was like the most enjoyable, also like time effective experience I've had. And that's why I enjoy working with that director and that, that whole team. Like it was a dream team that mm -hmm. day. Everybody was on it. Everyone showed up knowing exactly what role they needed to play. And yeah, we, we banged it out. Well, that can be a benefit, you know, when you're working with a small crew, you know, like everyone knows exactly what their jobs are. There's no real delegation going on. It's just like, you know, you do this, you do Y, you do, you do Z, and then you knock it out. I had a kind of academic question for you about this because I've been thinking about it ever since the music video panel discussion. Uh, and I was wondering, uh, one question I, I, I had you know, coming away from that is as an artist, as a, as a musician, what benefit do you feel comes from having a music video in the post MTV, you know, current YouTube age where, you know, it used to be where you need to get the video made so that you can get it onto MTV, get right. it onto MTV, get it played, you get the exposure that way. But now that it's a lot more democratic and, you know, you can listen to whatever you want. Uh, what do you think is the appeal? What is the uh, idea behind getting getting music videos out in this day and age? I, I think on like a business scope, it's your fans and your supporters want to see you. Um, they don't want to just hear you. And I think they want to be a part of your world. Um, so it's really important to, I think, open 
that that door and that window, whatever it is, yeah. up to them so that they can like come into this world that you're creating. And then too, you know, just in the way that society is now, everything is is visual. Um, I think we're just getting to that, you know, to the point where I think we're going to be able to see each other as like holograms instead of like video <laughs> chatting, you mm-hmm. know, I think it's just, it's become a really important way to communicate with visuals and videos. And so being able to put that with the song tells, I think completes the story. Yeah. And so people get to see that and, oh, this is what, this is what Kayla's world is like. Also, this is what she looks like, you know, like, or this is what her four personalities look like. Absolutely. And, you know, just creating that window into, you know, in creating the visual for, for the art, you know, for the, for the audio. I think it tells a story that the music doesn't Mm -hmm. yet. Um, and like I said, everything is so visual with Instagram and that's like a a huge platform people want to see. I mean, beauty is a big part of being human, whether we like it or not, or what, whether, you know, what you think is beautiful, the next person may not, but we still experience a lot of our life visually. Absolutely. Well, you get, you get such a strong sense from watching that video of just, you know, not only, you know, who you are as a person, what your music symbolizes, but you know, just also your image as well. You know, you've got fantastic fashion sense. Every time I've seen you, I've been like, wow, how do you, how, how does one do that all the time? So flawlessly. This is fun for me. Uh, I was really proud that I styled that video. I style a lot, uh, if not everything myself, my, my photo shoots, my videos, my shows. Sure. So you're, you're usually the primary source for the artistic direction on all of your stuff. I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I like to be involved in every aspect of uh, the creative process from styling, from coming up with the concepts, from in the studio to co-producing and, you know, giving direction that way. So Well, it seems like you have a kind of, you know, not just music, but you have a real multidisciplinary understanding of the arts. So, you know, Do us. I feel like a one trick pony. It, it seems like, you know, from from having that, you know, that strong voice, though, that, you know, you have a vision in your mind, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially, you know, my 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 take watching that video, I thought that art direction came from the director. So it's actually really cool to hear, you know, that it came from you, the artist. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, it was like I said, it was my concept. I don't want to take any credit for what she did. She was without her. It wouldn't have been brought to life, you know, with her being like, okay, we're going to shoot on this lens and we're going to use this. All of the effects are done while shooting. None of that was in post. Really? Yeah. So she's 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 very creative. And yeah, I was going to ask about that. That's that's insane. So like the the kaleidoscope. Yeah. She like made a lens for that (laughs) that is buck wild that is so cool and just using like crystal things yeah i don't see that's like not my expertise at all i just kind of brought like certain motifs and themes that i wanted to come across in this visual and she was the one that had the tools and know how to do that wow that's a, that's really cool. I'm I'm gonna have to go back and watch it again with that in mind because that is so impressive that all of that was done. Well, yeah, and she had to have like all the shots planned out to a T, basically, because we also shot. Uh, it's the basically in all slow motion, and uh, yeah, I guess that's a lot of memory, or it takes up a lot of space. So it's like we only shot everything like 
once or twice. We had to, you know, we had to nail it. Cool. Yeah. Wow. That is really wild. It's really impressive. So you, you said that the love should be video symbolized the right brain. Do you have a second music video that you're planning for a left brain song? Fold in half was the left brain single, which I released first. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just, those two, uh, tracks stood out to me as a something I could use to kind of present brain chemistry as a concept that people could sort of start to understand off the bat so where right brain is this like colorful very like visually stimulating just kind of like oh it's like a dream almost uh, about like self-love and expression and just like embracing yourself fold in half is like the complete opposites in black and white mm -hmm. um it's, um, you know, a lot darker, uh, drier, and it's, it's less about like embracing myself and more of like really going through my ego mm -hmm. mind and, you know, dealing with my insecurities and my doubts. And so that I think that is shown in the video, just like the way that it's shot, it's completely, completely different. That makes a lot of sense. Even from, you know, like the visual quality of it it's supposed to look a little bit I'm like going through it in this song I'm going like back and forth of like I feel crazy I feel alone I feel lost and so it's not as like crystal clear and dreamlike as love should be so that's intentional right very cool yeah well very appropriate then that the <laughs> next song that we'll be listening to is fold in half to serve as a counterpoint to love should be so your next song of this listening session is going to be Fold in Half. Couldn't decide if I should regret you. I decided on a mind, could I forget you? Had a slum like this go unnoticed. Got lost in your eyes and lost in my notice. And now I'm Downtown speeding with the speakers pleading Pain, one place to go and repeat I'm not doing well Everyone can tell that it's destroying me There is nothing that is gonna
I'm Kev Cat, and I host No Code Radio, the weekly hour-long show dedicated to spotlighting musicians within the LGBTQIA plus community. You can listen to the show every Friday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at NoCo FM. That's N-O-C-O dot F-M. So welcome back to Corbin versus the World. We just got done hearing Fold in Half by Kayla Marquis, and that is going to be on her new album, which is called Brain Chemistry. And Kayla, could you tell us a little bit about the, uh, I know you spent a little bit of time talking about the concept behind the album, uh, but when did you first kind of have the seed thought for it initially? It was when I was working on Live and Die Like This, the album. It was like one of those things. Sometimes I just have a window. There's like a, a two minute window of inspiration that like I get a flood of something. If I don't write it down, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just got this, you know, brain chemistry, this idea. And I was sitting in the living room with my boyfriend and I just, I was like, I have to write this down. <laughs> I just like grabbed a pad from under the table and wrote brain chemistry. And I was like, this is my next album. And then it just so happened that like, I just had a lot of breakdown that year. Um, I went through, you know, experienced a lot of death. And uh, my dad passed away last August. Um, and so, you know, through, throughout this process, I also quit drinking and, um, you know, really dealing with my like addiction with cigarettes. And it was a very, the past three years have been very difficult and challenging and sometimes super dark. And so I, I started going to therapy and really starting to like face myself and deal with my demons and you know coming to a place of understanding what healing is and then being able to accept healing and so that's I think what brain chemistry is Mm -hmm. It, it was this like divine idea that I didn't know I was about to experience yet it's pretty deep for me it's very uh and live and die like this I was like living in this rock star phase of like you know fuck everything i'm drinking every day and partying our house was just like a revolving early 20s mid 20s booyah (laughs) nothing matters just a hot mess uh don't regret any of it It was fun of course not while it lasted but then you know when you stop relying on you know self-medicating and and hiding behind social situations or substance abuse you really have to face yourself and that's really scary because then you you start to discover, you know, like things about yourself that you don't like or that you never knew you're doing these things subconsciously or unconsciously. And then you have to work through that and clean up these messes that you've made. And so that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years is kind of just cleaning it up. Yeah. And so the album almost functions as you kind of taking mental inventory of all of those things. Totally. So have you, did you find that that was fairly therapeutic for you? Mm-hmm. Did you find that really helpful in, in your growth these past few years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, music has always been my therapy. I never thought that it was going to be my career. Along with going to see an actual therapist, which I would recommend to anyone that is struggling with anything, it doesn't make you crazy. 
therapists have to see therapists, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's just, it helps a lot. So music plus actually talking to someone has been a tremendous help for me. And I like now people always ask me because it is so personal, you know, like if I feel weird or uncomfortable about that. And I do sometimes, but I also have a very big need. And I don't know if that's an ego thing. I don't really think it is, but to express myself and share my process and my journey and, you know, the hopes that it's going to help someone else or inspire someone else or just at the very least someone can listen to a song and be like I feel that and then maybe not feel as alone in that moment you know there's still some some big blind spots you know in in mainstream film and and art nowadays but I I think that one thing that's really cool about you know 2019 is that a lot of artists are being more forthcoming about those internal struggles yeah. and I think that's so valuable you know, for, for the fans and the people listening to know Mm -hmm. that recognition that it's, you know, it's not just me that feels that it's even these musicians that, that I worship. And I, you know, I let into my life every single day, they feel these things, you know, and I, uh, you know, don't worship musicians, (laughs) don't (laughs) worship anyone. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, I feel like that creates a separation. Like you're saying, we're all the same. We all feel the same shit. We all have to go through some type of struggle and challenge to get to the other side. And so there's no, I'm just a normal person who is highly sensitive. And like, if I don't get it out of my body, I self-destruct. Mm-hmm. Um, so writing and music has been my way to keep my sanity. So there's no need to, to worship sure. <laughs> me or, you know, <laughs> look at me as any different. It's just like. It humanizes you. I hope so. Yeah. Cause I do what, one thing I've always struggled with and been sad about is just like how and not that I'm famous or anything like that but how fame almost kills you know people it's really sad to see like when Amy Winehouse you know went through her thing and the the fans are booing her you know like she's a person you know like and I find it really weird that people love the music so much and like can relate to it and find it deep but then forget that you're the human that wrote it. And mm-hmm. like you wrote the song because you went through these things. She's talking about rehab and struggle. Exactly. So like, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes people forget that celebrities and artists and that they're humans too. And like, there's no need to put anyone above anyone else. Like we're all dealing with the same hurt mm-hmm. and brokenness. When you were going about the writing process for this for this album, because it's so personal. Was this one of those, in terms of process, did the words come before the music or did the music come before the words? It's usually simultaneous because what happens with me and I've learned in my process is that I start to get antsy and irritable and um, sad, angry, whatever. I had, I'm, I'm just like full of emotions and I'm like, okay, I need to write a song. I don't ever really know what it's going to come out like or what I'm even talking about um, initially. And so I usually just sit down with my guitar or piano and we have a little conversation and yeah, usually it's like led by just all at the same time. I'll just start playing and start freestyling some stuff and then, um, start piecing it together later. Have you found it to be, I don't know how many of the songs, you know, you, you've road tested or played live up to this point, but do you feel uh, a sense of, uh, catharsis when, when you're performing those songs live right now? Yeah, there's some, especially left brain, because that's like my dark side. 
that Lake Lonely One is a is a very hard pulling strong that our song <laughs> hard pulling strong that <laughs> it's hard for me to get through. But then, you know, once once it's done, it's like <sighs> I have this like release because for me, I can't do any of my songs half ass. You know, I can't just like go through the motions. I can't like market. I have to be in that emotion, in that space when I wrote it or like whatever situation triggered that song to play it like effectively to a point where people can come into that world and feel something. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's still very therapeutic for me. Nice. As far as the recording process goes, uh, about how long did it take, you know, from start to finish, you know, having the songs kind of set and ready to go? What are those recording sessions? What was your experience with that? Uh, they're so fun. So I'm, I'm recording at a space in Colorado called The Spot Studios Okay. up in Evergreen with my producer, Glenn Sawyer and um, Rich. They're just uh, so talented, have so much like know-how, can do any genre um, and so for me, this has actually been a very therapeutic, but also just like a place for me to have fun. So I'm taking these, these like heavy content and coming in with my guitar and saying, okay, this is the song um, that we're doing. So we'll do like a scratch track of that and then start building instrumentation on it. But it, it kind of takes away the heaviness for me because we get to just play like, I'm like, Glenn, let's, I want transformer sounds <laughs> you <laughs> know yeah. and so, sold. yeah so it's just like it's a it's a fun process for me that I haven't really experienced because most of my experience is live um so being in the studio um is still something I'm I'm getting comfortable with and it's becoming a good time for me and on your first album you had a few guests collaborators on on tracks is that the same for brain chemistry as no. well totally solo yeah no one is on this it's just uh, me and my producer building it out. And I think that's because this process for me has, you know, been this internal thing. And so I want to stay true to that. But some like in the future, I see a lot of collaboration happening. Sure. But because this is such a personal thing yeah. for you, it didn't feel appropriate to, to yeah. bring anyone else in. Not necessary. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the next song that we're going to be playing uh, on this show is a never before released song that is going to be on that album. And uh, it is called Copyrights. Yeah. So is that going to be on the left brain or the right brain side? This is a right brain song. Right brain. And actually just finished the music video for this one. Um, oh. So that's going to be dropping soon. And the song is still won't be released after this. <laughs> so <laughs> cool. This is just uh, really a sneak peek and you'll get to hear my transformer sounds. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's what they were. Okay. <laughs> that's Yeah. Cool. Yep, that's it. I wanted some like extraterrestrial type of things. And I'm just really into like sound effects and stuff like that. So we kind of, he he built something out of my voice using a vocoder. Wow, that's really nice. I'm excited about this song and the video's animation. Ooh, oh, it's animated too. Oh, cool. Well, we'll have to unpack that too. But before we do that, let's listen to that never before heard song, Copyrights by Kayla Marquis.
Here's something you might not know. NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. Welcome back to Corbin versus the world. We just got done hearing copyrights by Kayla Marquis off of her new album, Brain Chemistry, which will be coming out in the very near future. And while we were listening to that song, I also had the huge privilege of being able to watch the music video for copyrights, which is fantastic. So cool looking, totally animated. And before we move on, uh, Kayla, do you want to tell us a little bit about the process with making that music video? Uh, yeah, so my graphic artist, who's I've been working with this past year doing my artwork for the album, referred me to his buddy who does animation. And so it's really synchronistic, I think, because I've, I've never met Davey. His name is Davey. He runs Imperious Graphics. Um, we've never met in person um, but he really, you know, made my dream come true of being like a Disney princess. I mean, I've grown up on animation and like, I think the first movie I've seen in theaters was Fantasia. Oh, wow. When I was four. Um, and then like Alice in Wonderland. And so animation has been like a big thing in my life. And I've always, always, always wanted to be like a character, an animated character. So, um, it's really cool to be able to bring that to life, but I just... Again, same kind of concept, um, built this idea, kind of sent him a very long detailed email about what this song was about and just like some some imagery that I would like to use like galaxy stuff and kaleidoscopes and just very colorful. And, you know, he actually nailed it with the colors, which like blew me away because it just showed me how aligned that we were and that this was like I was on the right path because I don't even think I sent him like a color palette and everything in it is the exact same colors that's on right brain yeah yeah that's really it, it's amazing how that 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 connection will happen sometimes yeah so but it's a fantastic music video he did an amazing job been working on it since April and um that'll be coming out soon so yeah, if you, cool. if you want to know when that's coming out, you'll have to follow me. Uh-oh, and how do we follow you, Kayla? So I just launched a uh, website. There's some some other people I want to mention. Um, is this this platform for musicians called Rhythmic Rebellion. It's just a, a great platform for artists. It's a great way for us to monetize what we're doing because, you know, that can be a really big struggle. Um, and so you can go visit my website at kaylamarquee.com um, where it has all my media and videos and songs. And right on the home page, there's a follow button. And when you click that follow button, it actually supports me directly, um, like my bank account. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh, Rhythmic Rebels and to all other artists here in Denver or wherever you're listening, if you want to collaborate with people in a platform that, you know, really care about uh, building you up as an artist and, and making things uh, better for you and, and monetizing your art, go ahead and give that a follow or reach out to me and I can help you get on board with that. 
Nice. And so we've not only dipped into the webosphere, yeah. but also modeling as well. Oh, yeah. So I do I do that. I'm signed with Wilhelmina Denver. Uh, so I get to do some cool stuff with them. And I most recently just shot with a company that I just fell in love with called Balance Athletica. Um, it's like athleisure wear. Uh, super inclusive, all body types, very diverse. I'm already about it. The owner, Chloe, is you know, just this badass woman. Her designs are incredible. Dope. The clothing quality is just bomb. And that's called athleisure. Athleisure. <laughs> that's what the uh, the type of clothing is. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like cute, comfy uh, clothes that are functional. You can go work out in them, or you, like me, can just you know travel, wear it on the plane, yeah, wear form it, and and function. Just live in it. <laughs> Dope. Yeah. Um. And you can uh go check that new ad out on my Instagram. And what is that Instagram? It's at I am Kayla Marquis. Not only do we have a never-before-heard song on this show, but Kayla is also going to be playing a live track on this program, which we are infinitely grateful that you have graced us with your live music as well. Yeah. Well, I got got to match it because, you know, sometimes you wonder. I want people – I would prefer people to come see me live. That's where I I feel like I thrive. Um, So, yeah, I I wanted to play here, and hopefully people will be like, oh, wow. She actually can sing. This is not just studio magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have an upcoming show as well, if people want to go see you perform live, and that is at the Red Rocks. It is at Red Rocks. Um, that's like every musician's dream, right? Or at least in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Red Rocks on New Year's Eve. Uh, it's their first ever New Year's Eve festival, like a local set. And so... Uh, it's a little different than the normal experience. You'll have to go on to uh, redrocks.com to get all of that information, but you can get like a tour of the backstage and have a fancy dinner, oh, free neat. champagne. And for those of you that are worried about being cold, it's going to be heated. Oh, yeah. They'll have the fancy like outdoor heat. They're like building, it's it's like up on the plaza, they're building some like heated tent thing. So wild. Yeah. God bless the 21st century. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go into 2020, right? Let's do it. Yeah. On that note, I have a, I have a fun little fluffy question before we get into that live song. Since we are going into the new year, do you have any, uh, God, what's the word? New year's resolutions. There it is. Yeah. Do you have any new year's resolutions going into our 2020 vision? Shouts out Justin Timberlake. <laughs> uh, no, I don't do that shit. <laughs> here's, I mean, here's the thing. Cause that's just like a false, you know, no shade to anybody who says, no, of course who does not. resolutions, but I've learned that if you're going to do something, you're going to change something, you're going to do it now. Mm-hmm. So just like, I, I am excited to like embrace the new year. I do feel like it's like a shift of energy and there's something about going back into the twenties. That's like bringing up this like Renaissance feel for me and like great Gatsby thing. Yeah. So I'm just excited about that. But anything that I'm changing, I'm working on, on daily. an individual basis. Would, just keep it in here. Yep. Keep it in the noggin. Yep. Makes sense. So tell us a little bit about the song that you're going to be playing for us. So God Blame the Devil is a left brain song. Um, And it's uh, this one, I think, is like really exploring ego and self. And it's it's kind of coming from this space of like all energy, I think, comes from one source. 
And it, you know, is in line with the album concept of duality. Um, so, you know, just I just put, wrote it in terms of God and the devil because that's how the world or America likes to put things is in good or evil. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of playing with some some things there. I don't want to give too much away because I do like people to come up with their own thing. But I do want to say this is not about a relationship, a toxic relationship. Um, this actually isn't about anyone else. This is, you know, about me with my own shadow side and getting into that. Everybody has their dark side. Embrace it. Figure out what it wants. Feed it when you can and don't let it overpower you. Yeah. If it does. Don't let the devil win. Then blame the devil. <laughs> blame the devil. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, for sharing this time with us and your words and your energy. Very much appreciate it. And I cannot wait to hear that live song. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Absolutely. It was our pleasure. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls listening at home, Miss Kayla Marquis performing God Blame the Devil live-ish. Body is an altar I fall to on bending knee. Your mind like streets paved in gold. If I give myself as an offering, would you give me bread? Wine and miracles Cause I like the way You're intoxicating me Feels right but it's ungodly It's devilish Ooh, it's fire Feels just like heaven to me And I don't mind if God plays the devil for this I'll pay no mind when God blames the devil for this Descendant of the sun and the sky, you are king to be. I lay my robe at your shrine, and I spend all of my days worshiping the way your eyes. Dress your smile Cause I like the way You're intoxicating me Feels right but it's ungodly It's devilish Just like heaven to me And I don't mind If God plays the devil for this I'll pay no mind When God blames the devil
Gods will be devils, there's demons inside and angels to level them. The mind's in asylum, one over on why I'm waiting for someone to let me out. What kind of monster summon the darkness out in the garden, huh? That kind of evil only comes round because of the garden, yeah. Check out your duality, check into reality, makes you question your sanity. I am Adam, I am Eve, I am the forbidden knowledge. Here I am the apple tree. I am the serpent that slithered through Eden and made you choke on mortality. Cause I like the way you're intoxicating me. Feels right, but it's ungodly. It's devilish. Ooh, it's Feels just like heaven to me, and I don't mind it. God blames the devil for this. This has been a production of NOCO FM.